Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with somebody who, uh, listen, we've all been watching, and uh, she's extremely funny. She's Groundlings-based, and uh, she does burlesque. Oh, my goodness. We're going to talk about all sorts of things. So please welcome to the show, Elison Dunbar. Um, Alan, it's Alison Dunbar. I'm so sorry. I my my research is completely incorrect. My they told you my name is Alison Dunbar. Dunbar, yeah, yeah. IMDb has all sorts of kind of you know apostrophes and all sorts of little kind of things that make sure that I pronounce your name correctly. It it fucked me up. I'm I'm very very. There's sorry. like six N's, like Alison. Right. I, I don't know if somebody misspelled it. It's actually in Wikipedia as well. It's the same way. And I'm like, <laughs> hold on, there are two L's, there are three N's, and there's a whole bunch of S's. And I felt like an S, and I still do right now. I, S's? I'm, I don't feel like I heard any S's in your pronunciation, though. It, well, it's, uh, I was trying to be a little French, so it's the Elison. Oh, Elison. Dunbach. I actually love it. Let, let, yes. You know, I'm so sorry that I interrupted that intro. I love it. I'm here. Elison Dunbach. Okay, thank you. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, um, every, everybody, I, obviously, if, if you're still with us, yes, we're just having <laughs> We're stupid, okay? Yeah. We're just and, being stupid. And this, Quarantined. Yeah, and this is a stupid show, and that's the whole point, right? You know, if, if people can't have fun, and the whole part of being an actor and the whole part of uh, doing improv is if you can go with it, then sit down. <laughs> well, you know, Alan, I, in doing some research, th thinking about doing this show with you, I watched um, some interviews and I thought, wow, you know, this is really stupid. Yes, And um, that let me know like, oh, this is the place for me. <laughs> I completely, I, I'm so happy that you, uh, that you said that we're going to cut this part out, uh, not cut this part out. We're going to, you know, take this out and we're going to frame it and we're going to make sure that it's going to be kind of the tagline of the show. Like, <laughs> oh my God, please, please. I would love that. Excellent. It's, it's completely, um, uh, it's, it's just fun, right? And, uh, yeah. and if people are not having fun, then, you know, we, we, we have so many other things that are going on in our lives that are, are trying to make it less fun. Let's, let's at least have fun on this stupid show. So thank you. Yeah, that. I mean, please, right? Especially in this time, if you can't like, you know. I know, I know. <sighs> I know. Um, and yeah, I mean, talking about improv and talking about everything that's going on, I mean, watching, watching that debate debacle, uh, that's just such, Okay, not taking it seriously. Yeah, please, okay, you remember how you told me that I could always say, like, please yeah. don't go there? I, yeah. I don't want to go off. Yeah, okay. Uh, then, then we're going to cut this part out because I-, no, I, I Okay, I, you don't have to cut it out. I'm just, I'm, look, I'm with you and I'm just, you know, I, I texted a friend this morning and said, it, like, I'm having like ignorance exhaustion. It's like you, yeah. what I think this is bringing also into all of our, and listen, I'm not, I have had to learn a lot during this year and educate myself and do a lot of reading. And there was a lot of things I was so blissfully ignorant about and just like living in this place of privilege. And um, yeah. now it's the part of like realizing maybe people in my life or people who had been friends from when I was younger, it's like you talk to them and you start to see, do you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, 
oh yeah, you live in this world and I want to live in this world. Mm -hmm. Like humanity is the most important thing to me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's just dividing. It's, um, yeah. I feel like um, we're all a bunch of exposed nerves right now, you know? Yeah, it's, it's very difficult talking to people. Everything is, is, you know, in acting, we talk about uh, escalate, right? You know, go, go higher and, you know, find... Raise the stakes. <laughs> yeah, then right now, everything is like that, right? Any yeah. conversation that you start that, you know, touches upon that, people just go batshit crazy. And it's, it's very, very difficult. You know, they used to say, you remember, like, when I was a kid, like, I, my grandparents, the elders would say, you know, you don't talk about politics, like, don't go there. And, and I've even had people try and say that to me today, when I'm approaching subjects with them, I'm like, I, I can't live like that. And I, I don't think we can afford to do this. Like, we have to talk about it. Because we're not just talking about like, legislation over a school district, not that that's not important. But I'm saying it's like, where do you stand in the world on like equality and people's rights? And that's a conversation I need to have. And I need to make sure like the people in my village are on the same page as I am, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really divided village, but um, you know, from watching from a purely improv and comedic perspective, you know, uh, after watching the debate, if we remove all the seriousness from it and just look at it as a, what can we have with this premise? Uh, it's just rich, and I and I saw the uh, the SNL open on it, and uh, some things I liked, some things I thought that they could have done a lot more with. But it's just there's so much fun to be had yeah. at, at this time for uh, for people who are uh, doing any kind of improv or any kind of comedy. It's just right there, and it's available, and just have fun. Yeah. Yeah, um, but again, in, in terms of you know not going there, I think your your family originally. I know you're from Delaware, uh, but uh, your family I think originated from Canada, correct? Um, um, well, yes, my mom is Canadian. Um, my grandparents had a a, a summer home um, across the Peace Bridge, um, which is in Buffalo, New York. Goes yeah. straight over to uh, Fort Erie, Crescent Beach, is um, nice. where some of my family is, and where I spent my summers when I was a kid. That's cool. And then, um, you know, the reason why I bring up your family, because I found this part very interesting um, that, you know, it seems like everybody in your family is, is a lawyer. And, uh, oh. you know, uh, you, you certainly had a very good education, but I'm wondering from an acting perspective, when you told your parents, hey, I want to be an actress, uh, was there anything like, hey, listen, <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're in the... Um, in the protecting the public, uh, uh, you know, perspective, and this is our family lineage, and you're going oh. away from it. Was there any pressure? Um, you know, it's it's funny you say that because like when you say like it seems like I come from a family of lawyers, it it doesn't seem like it. I did, and um, yeah. my family is the law. Um, I had a grandfather who was in the Supreme Court of New York. Um, a Superior Court judge, my other grandfather, uh, prosecutors. DAs, yep. judges. And so, yeah, I mean, am I black sheep? Yeah, for sure. Although I always felt like, you know, my father um, worked for the attorney general. He was a prosecutor and he was in, in Delaware, how it was as they divided it up by crimes. And my father was in charge of the murder one unit. 
So he was always doing uh, capital murder cases. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was telling my friends this recently because I think it had a large part in a kind of creating my mind. Um, so my parents, both my parents worked. My mom was a dean at Villanova Law School. And when I was a kid, you know, my mom would ask my dad, can you put Allison to bed? Can you tell, you know, read her one of her books and put her to bed? And I never told my mom this, but my dad never read me books, like child books. My dad used to practice closing arguments on me. I mean, about murder. So like, I'm like six, you know, tucked into bed. And my dad's like, on the night of December 4th, little Jenny Jones didn't make it home. A man jumped out. I mean, I'm not kidding, Helen. This is how I grew up. <laughs> my dad would finish and be like, was that good? Did you feel for her? And I'd be like, uh-huh. And he'd be like, okay, good night, kiddo. Lights up. Um, so my dad was an actor. You know, I mean, he took his work, he took his work very seriously. He really cared and cares about his work, but it's performance, you know, to be a, um, a prosecutor. It's court and it's the drama of convincing a jury. You have to be able to tell a story. You have to be able to um, convince people and hold their attention. So I always felt like, and my dad kind of admitted it to me years later, mm -hmm. he would have loved to have been an actor. Like he thought that was the coolest thing in the world that I was gonna go do that. But you know, he's from a different time and he got married when he was much younger and had kids. And so he did that path. Um, so my family, it was odd to them. I think they all thought I was nuts. I definitely didn't have a ton of, um, you know, when I talk to people now about, and I ask them like, how did you know you wanted to be an actor? And you hear stories about, well, we grew up and my parents would save their money and take us to these shows. I'd go, oh, really? Cool. Because there was no art in my house. I mean, there was arguing. <laughs> there was litigation at the dinner table, but I didn't know any of that stuff. So, you know, for me, like how to get into acting, um, I went and bought a book. Like I knew, right, from when I was five I think is when my mom said I started saying it I'm gonna be an actress I said I'm gonna to move to New York City and I'm gonna be an actress I just I don't know I just knew and so when I got to be a teenager I'm trying to figure out like okay what are the steps how do I become an actress and meanwhile the the the, the art the tv that I knew was you know like soap operas <laughs> but I thought that was cool I wanted to be on those and, so, um, sorry, your lawyer parents were watching soap operas? My mom sometimes would watch um, a few soap operas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, listen, everybody needs a little bit of drama and a little <laughs> bit of that, you know, what did you say? Um, but so I bought a book mm -hmm. called How to Be an Actor. And it literally had, <laughs> it's like a dummy's guide. But that's what I had, you know, I was in high school in Delaware. I didn't know actors, you know, there was no one for me to ask. And um, I remember it told me, you know, um, go to New York, mm -hmm. get your training in New York. Yep. Everybody respects a theater actor. So um, I wanted to go to New York anyway. I had, even before I had visited 
I always had a vast infatuation with New York City. Um, that when I moved there when I was 17, I, I always tell people I knew I was home. Um, but I did this, like my way into the business was like, it said, go buy a copy of the Ross reports. I don't know if that still exists, Alan. Uh, this might be like a hundred years old, but the Ross reports used to be this little book. You could buy it at a newsstand, you know, anywhere you bought your SIGs, you could buy the Ross reports, little tiny thing. And it had every acting agency listed. It was like a phone book for agents and it would list the agency and then the names of all the agents. So I bought a copy of that and it said, send them your picture and resume. Now I had no resume. I mean, I'd done guys and dolls, St. Mark's high school, but you know, I, that's it. So I got some headshots taken and I had my resume that had like three of my high school plays in Delaware on the back. And then I just wrote a letter and said, you know, I just moved to New York. I just moved here and I want to be an actress and I would love to come to your office and perform a monologue for you because that's what we had to do. What I had to do to get into college to acting school, right? She had to perform monologues. And weirdly, I mean, I probably sent, I don't know, like 150 things out. I probably got like four phone calls and um, I went in and did my, my monologue, my portrayal of, I remember it was from Nuts with Barbara Streisand. Mm-hmm. She's like on the st- <laughs> So like not what like a 17 year old kid should be doing, but whatever. It's what I did. It's what I chose. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's how I got my first manager, Bob McGowan. And um, it was, you know, really lucky that that happened. And that's how I started when I was in college in New York, started auditioning. And uh, you know what? My first acting job was on The Guiding Light. So I was on a soap opera and I should have just quit. Yeah. (laughs) Weren't you on Ryan's Hope as well? Uh... I was not on Ryan's Hope. I would love to say I was, but I was not. I did The Guiding Light when I was a junior Mm -hmm. in college. Um, and then I did, I did an episode of Law and Order when I was a senior in college. And you know how Law and Order, this, was, this is like OG Law and Order when there was only one. And you know how in Law and Order, they just kind of, they rip things from the headlines and then change a few details. And then that's, so this was, um, oh God, I'm going to so date myself. But this was uh, Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. Do you remember them? I remember very well, yeah. So they were doing that story and I played the Tanya Harding character. I was the bitch who paid money for the other girl to get hurt and um, worked with Jerry Orbach and Chris Noth, you know, Mr. Big was on the show at this time. And uh, I had the greatest time. And, you know, a few people told me at that point, because this is, you know, the 90s. They're like, you know, if TV is what you really want to do, you got to go to L.A., so after I graduated from college, I moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. It's an interesting, interesting story. Um, but again, it goes to the point of you set your sights on something, you figured out a path forward, and you actually did something about it, which, uh, which is the necessary component, right? You know, people can dream all they want, but you have to put in the work. So. And- yeah, and I think like you have to, something that I've been thinking about a lot especially in this time, it's like, you have to be brave. You have to be really brave, maybe also stupid, but you have to be really brave to try and do what we do. Um, because the odds certainly aren't with you. 
but it's that thing of like, how do you want to live your life? And I know you'll relate to this. I mean, I know you came here from the Ukraine, like, you know, you like took some risks, right? And there's this beautiful quote, I'm sure you know it. It's from Theodore Roosevelt called The Man in the Arena. Hmm. Do you not know that one? Oh, I wish I knew it by heart so I could just read it to you, but it's about that it is better to be the man in the arena failing and striving and fighting and sweating with mud on your face and like go, being in the ring and going for it. It's so much better to be that person than to be someone who's just sitting on the sidelines, right? And I think that's how I've always lived my life. Um, and sometimes it's gone my way and sometimes it hasn't, but I will always, you know, insist on being in that arena. I, I couldn't agree more. I, it's, and many people don't want that. Many people are happy to have their stability and a, <clears throat> and a quote unquote normal life. Uh, and for a lot of people, it's a much healthier option. No doubt about it. But oh yeah, probably is way healthier. Uh, <laughs> Definitely safer. Yes. But I always go, you know, in, into that I always go like, what are you doing? Like if this is it, what do you just want to like march like an ant to your death safely? Like, let's go. I sound like a jerk. I just realized that I said that. I was like, what a jerk. It's great to have a stable normal life. It is. Uh and I envy people in a way who do, but that's not me. And it it brings a lot of problems into my into my existence, but I never. Well, yeah, because you have children, right? So children, I have a wife who is all about stability. God bless her. She's she's amazing. But it's that constant thorn in her side. Um, And I have to make sacrifices, right? You know, you have to decide what uh, what's important to you in your life. But when it comes down to it, and you know, when you know, I'm I'm at my deathbed, which will hopefully be a very very long time from now. Yeah, uh, not soon. I don't want to look back at my life and say I wish I tried this or I wish. Oh. I so I that's that's my perspective. If if God had put me here for a reason, and I have certain talents and abilities, it is my responsibility to actually do something to develop those abilities and to make them uh, work. Because I believe that what I can do and what I'm good at can actually help other people. It could be through the stupid show, it could be through my writing, it could be through um, you know speaking, it could be through whatever. But what I'm doing, and I think all of us are put in this world to help uh, affect other people around us. And I have many lessons to learn, but if I just sit on it, I will not be happy. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's that driving force and that kind of the insanity of why you have to do this. That's why, you know, the writer writes because you are a writer and that's what you're supposed to be doing. You know, an actor has to act uh, and you just kind of find your lane and then you keep going and if uh you know life brings uh, turns you go with those and figure it out along the way but you have to be as you said in that arena otherwise what's the point you know it's interesting what you're, you're making me think about um you know i've had throughout points because you know my career I, you know i'm 
I'm like most actors. I, um, I've had some great jobs and then I've had periods where I don't have any jobs. Like, um, I am your very, you know, I'm not a famous person. I am a actor who many times is struggling, sometimes is riding that really cool wave and is doing something. And it's like, you know, we're all as actors, we're all one job away from that job, you know? And that's the thing. We all realize that like, it's, you, you know, when you look at, if you have friends that are further along on the chain or whatever, they had that one job, that show that went, you know, that, that, and that's like so many things that are out of our, out of our control. But once that one job comes like, whoo, off you go. And I have had a lot of close brushes, but not that one job. I'm not complaining. I am like, I love my life and I love my work. However, I would say that because um, not every year is a good year. And sometimes it leads to worry and struggles. Oh, I'm sorry. I just, I was like, is someone in my home? But I realized that like my TV just went off pause. <laughs> sorry. I just thought I was about to be murdered. I listened to Crime Junkie too much. Yeah. Anyway, um, tell me if you can hear this too, and I'll go run and turn this off. Can you hear it? It's far away, but I know it's now on. I can't hear it. So what were you saying, Allison? Yes. Um, there were times in my life where I went, I'm leaving this industry. You know, I can't do it. I'm tired of worrying or it's just not going the way I want. I'm just not getting the part I want. And also what's noble about this? Because I want to do something that matters and this doesn't fucking matter. Like I'm playing this part in a bikini or whatever on the show, who cares? I have to do something important. I have to leave this earth knowing I did something important. I'm telling, saying this for a reason. So something that I'm also very active in um, is uh, dog rescue. And uh, there were times in my life where I thought, you know what, I just need to focus on animal rescue because that's important. And I do think that is important and like the most important. Um, but I left the business a few times, you know, I've stopped and started. I mean, I left my career for like seven years at one time, uh, um, two years at another time when I, um, I had a, a rescue dog named Buddy. And I know you have a dog named Buddy. Rescue. Um, my, yeah. Listen, when I was like researching you, I was like, this sounds good. This sounds good. Yeah. This, yeah. He has a rescue dog named Buddy. Okay. That's fate. Yeah. Yes. I'd like to talk to him immediately. We we have uh, we have a foster uh, downstairs as well. Her name is Daisy. So uh, yeah, my my wife is this is, your first foster? Uh, second. God, um, good for you. I I am not gonna take that mantle because as much as uh, as as much as my heart wants it, uh, fostering you have to be properly set up for it, and I'm not sure that we are. My wife. Well, is, this is this is why I'm saying good for you because I'm like I think fostering is, is the hardest of all of them. Yeah, because I, you know, I'm I'm an emotional, uh, you know, dude. Just thinking about anything, you know, uh, if it's emotional, it's gonna hit right there, and I'm I'm very close to crying uh, already. And to get to know a dog, to get them in a state where they're comfortable and you're their human and then you're leaving and the dog is looking at you with those eyes that you know exactly what they mean and you, it just breaks your heart. 
uh, but you keep reminding yourself why you're doing this and you're doing well, this. And I, listen, I would just say that, the, cause I have to say this because fostering is like one of the kindest, most generous things you can do that I understand that hurts and that's so legit, yeah. but you helped Daisy yes. learn about what it's like to be loved. Mm -hmm. She got some home practice. She got socialization practice mm -hmm. and you know, they're not going to, they're not going to take her until they find a great home, right? So you're going to know she's going into loving arms. You can stalk those people on their social media. Keep an eye on Daisy. And if you don't think they're doing an adequate job, you can say, hey, can I hang out with Daisy one afternoon? And you can steal her. Yeah. But I, I listen, I, I am a foster fail. That's why I went, oh, you're fostering, because I tried to foster once and I kept the dog. Um, yep. yep. And I think the best thing you can do is to let them go and keep fostering. That's why you help more. I could not, I didn't have the nuts. I just didn't do it. Okay, so I'm gonna pull back to Buddy. I also left the business for a while. My, my dog Buddy had osteosarcoma and uh, lost a leg and I just quit work to stay home and um, take care of him because he was my child. And I was very lucky that I could do that, right? I had had a few years of some success. So that's what I did. Anyway, all of this, I can really yammer. I just had my bulletproof coffee. So you can just yell, shut up. No, no, please keep going. But all of this to say that I started to come around to this a few years ago and I could tell some stories about it, but I'd say the biggest of all is thinking about COVID and quarantine 2020, where I go, Laughter is medicine. People need to laugh. Like they need it to live right now. Like we were talking about earlier. So, you know, my particular brand of acting is generally comedy, improv, you know, being a fucking idiot. And that makes people laugh and it lifts them up. I never had any idea that what I was doing was important. And I now recognize that it's important. So, you know, sometimes your conversations in quarantine, right, with your friends become, what are you binge watching? Because you know, no one has anything to do. So it's like, I found a show on Netflix. Entertainment is like getting us through. I don't know, it just really more than ever made me realize just it is important what we're doing. Uh, it is. It a hundred percent is. Um, anytime that I feel down, I I turn on a musical, and it's the you know old time kind of musicals, and it's a different energy, different vibration, and you know twenty minutes, and I'm back to my you know normal goofy uh, self. Uh, yeah. Laughter is the same thing. I I love dramatic shows, but I can't yeah. watch them all the time because I'm in that world and I have enough drama going on around as is. <laughs> I, I, I need to have a relief. Where I saw you uh, recently, and one of the reasons why we kind of reached out was, uh, you know, Tacoma FD, which are, you know, my favorite group of uh, guys who I've been watching <laughs> anytime, anytime, almost, uh, anytime Super Troopers comes on, I, I have to see it. So, you know, um, the whole, the whole idea of just the same group of guys uh, having fun is um, what I want. And I enjoy that so greatly that laughter is, 
uh, from a just, you know, it's been scientifically proven, you know, laughter is important. Uh, it yeah. lowers the stress, it lowers the blood pressure, it releases endorphins. And there are all sorts of, uh, you know, chemical uh, uh, things that are happening within the body because of laughter. So I completely agree with you. And by the way, when I was doing kind of uh, research on you and uh, seeing what you post on social media and how you're talking about and kind of enjoying life, uh, not in those things, but the <laughs> I was like, uh oh, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the whole, you know, you have to love life, you have to let go, and you have to just enjoy these things. That's that's what resonated with me. And the more kind of I saw some of your demo reels and you know playing around doing improv, I'm like, too bad. Uh, I'm sorry has not been uh, continued because you'd be perfect for I'm sorry. You know, what <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, like bring me up to speed. Sorry was uh, was a show that uh, ran for two seasons, I believe. On um, oh, I know it. I know uh, it. It's the same channel as as Tacoma MD. Uh, oh my God, I forgot it. It's a uh, it's a comedian uh, improv. Um, you know, she kind of wrote uh, her own show. Uh, the name escapes me right now, but we're gonna post it right below the video. So go check it out. It's just ridiculously funny. Oh, good. I will look at it then. Yeah. I, I know I know it. You know, and my brain is so adult-pated. I'll probably turn it on and go, oh, yeah, this. But yeah. that's how my brain works. I, I think, uh, take a look at it. I think you'd be perfect. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't renew it. And, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, True TV. It's on True TV. So that's okay. Uh, and it's on Netflix as well. But, you know, um, they, for whatever reason, did not uh, renew it, which makes no sense to me because it was a beautiful show. And a ton of the improv uh, and uh, comedians uh, are on that show that you and I know and have watched uh, everywhere. So oh, great. It's you know, um, I haven't seen that my episode of Tacoma FD yet. I got to see it. Um, that was really fun. And those guys, yeah, that was my first time meeting them, which, you know, there is, there's like pockets of yeah. different kind of improv groups. You know, I mean, I work with the groundlings, so it's like, I'm really familiar with that pocket, but those guys were all new to me and I loved working with them. And I actually came onto that job because the director, Nancy Hauer, who is a comedy writer, comedy director, she had been my director on a TV series I did um, a couple seasons uh, on Hulu called Quick Draw, which was a fully improvised Western comedy. It's hilarious. I've seen videos and I've seen outtakes. I haven't watched the show, but it's now, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I need to be watching this. Uh, I saw the outtakes. It's like, like Like this show, like your show, it's stupid. Yeah. So I feel like you would really enjoy it. I absolutely would. Absolutely. Uh, so, so you got uh, you enjoyed meeting those guys because I think they're just just hilarious. So uh, fun, you know. The, there is, I mean, you know, you and I had it the minute we started shooting the shit before we started this interview. There is something amongst. Um, I just like spit on my computer. I hope you didn't see that in the camera. Um, I don't think so, but if you did, it would be appropriate. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's a camaraderie with improv people and there's a shared experience of we are fucking game. Let, we're ready to play. We're not afraid. Let's go. Whatever you're going to throw at me, I'm going to throw something back. There is a fun to living in the spirit of improv that 
you know, some people find terrifying to some people. It's like, you know, I know, for instance, sometimes I'll go to an audition. Like I remember the auditions for quick draw yeah. and I remember people in the waiting room, like stressing the fuck out because they're like, and they're like great actresses. I'm talking about like these were legit actresses who I know their work. They're incredible. And they're like, I mean, what are we going to do in there? Like, we don't know anything about it. They haven't given us like any situations. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, that's so interesting to you. This is hell. Mm -hmm. And to me, this is the ultimate dream. Yeah. You know, it's like a, um, that fun and like, we don't know where this is going to go and it might be horrible and that's happens and who cares? Let's just imagine and play. I don't know. That's my favorite pocket to live in, you know? Uh, mine too. Absolutely. And uh, I, I enjoy, you know, doing drama that, you know, you really have to kind of get into a character. I, but I'm goofy. I, I want to do play fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't care. Let's, let's just have fun. And the funny thing is when I was, um, you know, I did A through E at Second City and then a few other uh, courses. So I was there for, you know, a year and whatever number of months. And right. anytime that we would do the performances, uh, I found myself as the straight man in the scene. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, whatever. Well, somebody has to be, I'm going to be the straight man. So mm -hmm. I wanted to be funny. And <laughs> usually I would end up being the straight man, but I don't care. Because it's, it's just, it takes, it takes, I mean, it takes talent to be the straight man in an improv scene because you are grounding it in reality and you are giving a board for which your other person gets to volley off. You know what I mean? It's, it's key. It's, it's, that's you, the ultimate yes ending, knowing what a scene requires. Cause we all know we've been in those scenes where everybody's trying to be a goofball and it's like, what is this about? Mm -hmm. You know, so. Uh, what have you found in terms of, you know, when you're in a scripted, uh, not, not the improv uh, environment, but yeah. you're in a scripted uh, show. And what I found, and this is why I'm interested in your experience. What I found is that because of my improv background, because I'm ready for, yeah, let's, let's try it. Let's go for it. I sometimes go there too quickly without pausing and saying, okay, in order to do that, I need to make this choice and this choice because I am game and so quick to it. It actually set me back a little bit <clears throat> in terms of pure acting. Have you found that uh, to be an experience or? Uh, what do you mean? Like you're so quick, you just start improvising like off the script? No. Uh, so, you know, we're doing a take, right? So uh, yeah. I'm playing whatever, you know, dramatic uh, character. Uh, we're doing a take and they're like, okay, I like that. I want you to go there. Let's go. And I'm so quick on that draw. Funny, quick draw. Uh, I'm so quick on that uh, draw that I'm automatically kind of transitioning into that character and then they have to bring me back. They're like, okay, no, no, no. We liked what we did here. We just want more of this. Oh, you just, you take it to a 10, like the yeah. other direction. Yeah, okay. So like, yeah, I'm the, the, the bunny, right? You, you just point me in the direction I'll go. Uh, whereas I need to remind myself to, okay, no, no, no. You're still this. You need to ground yourself and then just make a little adjustment. So. Yeah, it's just sound. It sounds like your temperament is just fully comedic. So you're like quick to like, Wah! like you can just shift it, which is a great thing. But yeah, it goes too far or something. Um, I don't know. I would say um, I I I love working on scripted stuff. Um, I would love to do uh, drama. 
I would love to do more dramatic work. Um, sometimes I get a chance to, I, I need to and want to and intend to do a lot more. Um, it is, I think, harder. I mean, people think to me, but that's the thing, right? You always have respect, more respect for the thing that you don't quite grasp, right? Because everyone's like, what are you talking about? You do improv, did it? And I'm like, who gives a shit? Like, that seems so easy to me. Like, I'm like, yeah, I goof around. I watch these, you know, and I'm, I think like you, I actually, when I think of what I watch on TV, I pretty much 99% of the time watch drama. Mm. Um, maybe because I'm so fascinated. Sometimes I just stop and I, I look at um, just someone turn emotionally in a scene and I think, wow, how did they do that? Like, I mean, I know for me, when I've done dramatic things, you know, for people who don't act for a living, it's like you start with this wide shot, right? So first they're just getting like the whole thing. So that's not gonna be about your moment of what's happening to you. So it's like whatever emotional work you've done that you have built up in the scene, it doesn't, that's not the moment for it, right? And then they might be going like, we're gonna go over your shoulder on him and then back, like there's so many take after take after take. And um, I'm always in such awe and respect seeing people go to such dramatic lengths and thinking like, wow, you really sustained that and it's believable and I see that it's real for you. Um, and I know for me, you know, um, it's, it's dicey, it comes and goes. Mm -hmm. I cannot completely control that, you know, like, um, and there are techniques or secrets or whatever and I've, worked on them and sometimes they work sometimes it's awesome yeah. sometimes they don't <laughs> mm -hmm. same same thing and that's why you know when i started you know one of the techniques is substitution right and uh you know utilizing your own uh past in order to bring up whatever the appropriate emotion based on what happened to you and i used it and you know real tears good take two less got it take right it's gone. Take five, it comes back. It's like, but, eh. and, and then it's just so much is happening and it's, it's, it's difficult. And I, I keep on talking to kind of the real dramatic uh, actors and they have their own approaches and, you know, for some, some can snap in and out of it. Um, yeah. Others like, no, don't, don't talk to me. I need to be in my space. Mm -hmm. it, appropriate music it's the you know what's my moment before uh i substitution i found doesn't work for me and i found that i don't know if uh, you saw one of my you know more it's still stupid but more serious uh, videos which uh, which deals with the what i call the butterfly effect of uh, uh acting uh, that's my method it's kind of going uh, back in time to something that all right let's say that I, I need to play a, uh, a murderer, right? Uh, I'm not a murderer. You know, I'm, I'm this goofy, you know, stupid, silly guy. Uh, I don't know. You uh, kind of look like a murderer. You know, people, people see that. That's why I get a lot of drama. And I'm not actually, you know, I'm going along with it, but I get that too. Because people see, it's like, oh yeah, he's the neighbor. Ooh, there's some skeletons in my car. Is that what they say? They're like, you're like the creepy yeah. neighbor. Yeah, yeah. 
Great. Uh, I, I, like, I, very cool. <laughs> I get that. I'm like, thanks for seeing it. Okay. <laughs> um, and the, so if I'm supposed to play that, you know, you know, creep or murder. Okay. Um, then I would go back into my past and then I would pick a point where I made a different choice. And I kind of, then from there, it's a different me. It's an alternate reality version of me. But in that choice, you know, let's say in this particular scenario, the first thing that comes to mind is that, you know, when I had an experience in high school and I got into a fight that instead of slapping the other person, I actually took a chair and just hit the person over the head and that person ended up dying. That went, uh, because of that, I went to juvie. Because of that, I started associating with these people. My life is completely different now. I don't know if you hear my voice, the, the voice is deeper. My eyes are, are different. Like I'm starting to kind of, the imagination is taking me into a different uh, persona. It's still me. It's still that, you know, uh, kind of uh, the root is the same, but it's a different branch. And Why do you call that the butterfly effect? Because one change uh, uh, changes everything. You know, the butterfly effect. Remember uh, the movie Butterfly Effect where... Oh, no. One little change in the past and then... Okay, okay. That, I was trying to put that together. That's interesting. You know, um, I, I, yeah, that's a, interesting. I can see how that would totally work. You know, what I've found, um, I've been doing for a bit now is I study with a woman named Deborah Aquila. And um, she's from uh, Stella Adler. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's... You know, and she was like straight up, because I'd had the same experience as you had with substitution, right? It works, but it's not reliable. And sometimes it only works like that one take and it's awesome, but then like it's gone because it's like, you know, it's like same as us, like something we're walking through the grocery store and suddenly a song we hear reminds us of something from our lives. You'll like fall down and cry in the grocery store and then you breathe and you get up and you're okay. You know, it passes. You know, it's like grief. Um, with Stella Adler, what we do is we rely on the script. It's like going from line to line to line, looking at every single thing that, you know, your screenwriter gave to you, and then using your imagination to expand on it. If the beginning of your scene is like, I walk in and say, I, I made brownies. It's like, I have to create an entire story about why did I make brownies? Like, what's the story behind that? Maybe that's something that reminds us of like when we were kids, like our best moments were the moment, you know what I mean? So it's like attaching importance and creating memories that aren't there, create, making up an entire life, making up all these memories. And that's so rich. Yep. And it's so like, and you work on it. I mean, this class, it's like work. Yeah. And then when it's all there, I do find that it, it, it feeds me in the scene and I'm really present and really in it. Um, it's still sometimes hard for me, like, you know, sometimes you get on the set and it's like, there's so many issues going on with the cameras and then, then camera operators are yelling at each other and like, just shit happens where, you know, you have to really be really focused and like really able to be like, look, I need to go off. And like you said, I need to listen to this music or I need peace and quiet from you guys and, and whatnot. Um, I have so much respect for that. And I hope to do a lot more of that work um, in the future. That's definitely on my to-do and, and goal list. 
So are you, uh, I know you have a new film that, uh, uh, Film Fest. Uh, yeah, Film Fest is, is um, gonna premiere at the Austin Film Festival, which, God, talk, that's something on my list, right? Yeah. I haven't had a movie go to a film festival yet. Like, you know, as an actor, that's such a cool thing. And I was like, I've always wanted to go and you promote your movie and you go see a bunch of other cool movies and you're around artists. Well, the Austin Film Festival is virtual this year. So we don't get to go, but hey, I'm I'm so grateful and so excited and I will be virtually there, whatever the fuck that means. I'll be on my Zoom, like, small moment of victory. Yeah, listen, just use the imagination. Imagine that it's, you know, the red card. Oh yeah, thanks. I'll use the butterfly effect and I'll be like, let's pretend that one COVID didn't happen and all of a sudden I'm on a red carpet. See, it works. <laughs> See, I learned fast. Feel it. You feel it. I know you feel it. Um, it's, we all kind of find things that work for us, right? But um, the uh, where I was going with um, with the thought of saying more, the more actors I talk to, the more uh, a trend emerges that you really have to create your own stuff. So, have you gotten to the point where you know you're starting to? Uh, write things for yourself or for oh, you. fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what are you doing? Where's the next part? Because that can be, again, that could be your drama. That could be your ability because the industry sees you in, in a certain perspective. They look at yeah. you and they say, okay, yeah, so she was on Sopranos, but really she's the groundlings girl and, you know, and they put you in a box. So to get yeah. out of the box, you have to create your own stuff. You have to claw your way out of that box. Yes, um, I have a writing partner and we are currently um, working on a pilot that is a drama. So I'm trying to do exactly that. And you know, it is, it, it is true and that, especially with our industry, you know, I've been around enough to see a few incarnations of how things go. And you know, now, um, you know, I love television. I've always loved television. It's just my jam. Mm -hmm. And uh, back in the day, like movie stars, they didn't want anything to do with TV. Like they snubbed us. They were straight up like, um, I do film. And now they don't feel that way because they've realized that TV is fucking cool. And um, streaming and that's where the yeah. And, and TV really, I mean, it, TV is so great now. I mean, it's like, so exciting but you know the hard part about it is, is now all these movie stars want to do tv shows so a lot of things that we used to audition for are now um being offered to movie stars and um you know that's just more of an impetus to like okay you know what i'm gonna go out and create my own thing it can be done people do it and uh i'm gonna cast myself and what i see myself doing and uh try and get that out to the world so i love doing it it's definitely made me feel um powerful as an artist. Um, it's been a great thing during quarantine that my writing partner and I have just been really able and free to do a lot of work via Zoom. Um, so yeah, doing that, um, have a film script I'm trying to shop around, also a drama. And um, so yeah, yes, Alan. Now with you being the dramatic actress, maybe you should change your name to Alison. Alison Dunbar. <laughs> By the way, the first thing that comes to mind when I heard Dunbar is that scene from Dancing with Wolves. Dunbar? No, no, no. Dunbar. Not Dunbar. Dunbar. That's so weird. I've never heard that before, Alan. 
Seriously? I'm sure. Okay, stop. I had uh, <laughs> you had me you had me for a second, sorry. Uh, well, you know, um, so Dunbar is a family name, obviously, um, but Dunbar is not my birth last name. Um, when I got my first acting job back in uh, college, and I so proudly called SAG to pay my dues and join, yeah. uh, there was already a girl with my name in SAG. So they told me I could not have my name. So Dunbar was my grandmother's maiden name. So that's why I took Dunbar. Why did I tell that like that was an interesting story? That's like interesting to me and me only. Well, it's interesting. And now I want to know what the, what your name was and who's the girl that has your name. I don't want to say it because I feel like, I don't know, I just don't need people prying into my personal life any more than they do. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but I recently found out about Dunbar is a town um, on, on the beach in Scotland and I'm Scottish. So I was just making, you know, we're all having like fantasy travel plans during quarantine. Yeah. I was planning a trip to Dunbar, Scotland to meet my people, my clan. Very nice. You should definitely go to Dunbar. Oh, listen to you. That was good. Appreciate it. I've watched Shrek so many times that uh you know it, it, it oh my god that's from watching shrek yeah well i i do have an ear for accents i yeah i, I guess so uh, my daughter you know comes to me and says dad i have to do accents and she was doing something for theater where they had to switch from all like do accents in a row and switch from one to another uh back to back i'm like that's a difficult thing to do you really need to understand the intricacies of each accent with you know, trying to get uh, get out of it, uh, you know, back to back is 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 very very tough. So she... I can barely speak English. <laughs> well, yeah, with an American accent, like if I can speak a sentence without slurring or belching, I'm proud of myself. So, I, my, hats off to your daughter. My wife thinks I'm just making up words usually. So um, that's well, you yeah. probably are. Um, only only sometimes. Most of the time, they're actually a word. I may not know what they mean. I just yeah. have a thing of what I think they mean, and I'm using them in a sense. It's just like you're making this shit up. No. And then we look it up, and more often than that, I'm right. So I, I take that. Um, you mentioned your personal life. I, I, I want to ask it, but I want to ask in a way because it's important from the acting perspective and for people to understand. Um, you know, now that Ron is in your life, um, the amount of oh, I can feel my I can feel myself sweating. <laughs> the the amount of attention online and all the articles and everything else that came out of it. My question now is, how does one deal with all of that and still be you know funny, goofy, and uh, you know a loving life? That's, that's uh how did okay well we know who we are we know what our relationship is we know what the truth of the scenario is um so we're good it is uh, a pain in my ass uh if you what is that like um think of something that's really really fun it's the opposite of that <laughs> But what has happened as a result of it well, is it's really required me to really dig deep and 
get like real with who I am and I know who I am and I like who I am and I have absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. And that type of stuff, that kind of press is created to shame people, to create archetypes, to sensationalize and make these like salacious, delicious stories that vermin go in. And I just go, you know what? I'm not going to be a part of it um, because there was a time when it's like, you want to respond, you want to set them straight. It's like, I'm just going to live at this area where I live. And like I said, the people who matter that, you know, they all know. So. you know i think what you're doing is important and one of the reasons i wanted to do this show with you is because um i think as artists we all everybody not even just actors but we feel so isolated you know we're all home in our little quad quadrants our pods and we're alone and it's um loneliness is real and it's hard and as actors, we're always connecting with one another and that was suddenly pulled apart. And so I think for you to create the show in a place where we can connect with one another and just nerd out about the stuff that makes us happy and our techniques and what's hard for us, it's like, that's a cool thing you're doing. You know, it's a gift. Like as I was watching some of your interviews, it was just making me happy because I was listening to artists talk about how they approach, you know, their work and um, you're keeping us all, you know, connected and, and alive and feeling creative. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not throwing out the name for any, any emphasis, but something that he mentioned and because he is a big name, I think it, it resonated. So uh, Russell Hornsby, you know, when I was talking to him, he said, you know, thank you for doing the interview because I, the identity that I have is as an actor and a father and, you know, a human being. But when you're not doing this for an extended period of time, you kind of forget that you're also an actor and you forget that part. So the, uh, doing the interview allowed him to kind of snap back into that experience and to share and to, uh, kind of, you know, talk about it and feel that again. And, uh, I, I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I, well, ditto. I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, it's, I created it because I was sitting home and I was taking acting workshops and I, uh, you know, kept on kind of being able to ask one question uh, of these casting directors and of these, you know, uh, actors. And I wanted to ask a lot more. I said, why am I not doing this? I grew up- You want to hold people hostage. You just want to mm -hmm. like get them, you know, like get them on a Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then and you're doing it and keep asking them questions. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, listen, thank you so much. It's it's thank you fun. so much. It was really fun, Alan. And um, yeah, I, I'm really excited about this. And thank you for rescuing Buddy, and thank you for fostering Daisy. And no matter what which way it goes, you're doing something awesome. I mean, that's like we talk about end of life, like. Yeah. That's the stuff, my brother. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, 
Yeah, it, it's it's the it makes the heart sing, and uh, you always smile because of it. I, I completely agree. Please, you know, continue doing uh, continue doing your rescue, and I, I know it's going to be a part of you know who you are forever. Anyway, so yeah, that's great. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in into another stupid episode of uh, the. <laughs> the love of acting we're going to change our tags uh, we're going to change our tags for the show soon and uh we know you love it and uh, you enjoy it as much as we do and that's why we do this for you thank you <laughs>